Welcome to the MJV Ministries podcast, where we focus on building your faith and stirring up your passion to win souls. Take a moment to subscribe so you can stay updated with everything we do. Now here's your host, Evangelist Mike Vitalich. Amen. That was good for me. But can we give it up for Jesus? Amen. Hallelujah. King of kings, Lord of lords. Thank you, Father. You are so good. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, God. Lord, we are here having church on a Friday night, Father, because we are hungry for more. And I thank you that everyone's going to another level tonight, God. The last three nights have been great, but tonight is a fresh touch from heaven. And we thank you that we don't leave this place the same way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Give somebody beside you a high five. Say, tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. And you can be seated. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm very excited to, to, to be here, to have this opportunity. I'm so thankful, incredibly thankful for your pastors you have amazing pastors. You really do have amazing pastors. Amen. Yes, you could, you could, yes, you could clap for that because you have amazing pastors, and we're just so thankful to be here and to have this honor to, to share with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited because uh, my husband, and I'm going to tell some stories, so it's going to get real good. He's had three nights to tell stories, and I said, all right, it's my turn now. But um, it's... Uh, it's really funny because I knew, uh, I guess, a Sunday um, when, when Pastor Thad had, ca- had come up and, and was talking about this week, and, and he looked at me and said, you're, you're going to preach. And I, so I was like, I know my husband's going to let me preach one night then, praise God. And I thought it'd be, you know, like Saturday night or something. And, and so I was asking him, I was like, you know, when do you want, like, tag me in, you know, like, when do you want me to preach? And he said, you know what? I think uh, he said Saturday night, or, or we hadn't decided. Um, but yesterday, when we pulled up into the parking lot, he's like, he's like, I'm going to have you preach one night. He's like, I'm not going to tell anybody that you're preaching. I'm not even going to tell the pastors. I'm just going to wing it on them and just like, and the whole congregation and everything. He's like, I'm just, I'm not going to tell anybody that you're preaching. I'm going to get up there and pretend like it's me, and then I'm going to give the mic to you. And I was like, all right, all right, awesome, awesome. And then last night, you know, my husband, when he gets under the anointing, he says a lot of stuff. So he's like, tomorrow night, my wife is going to be up here preaching the word. And I was like, oh, okay, so that, all right, everybody's going everybody's gonna to know that, amen. So, uh, amen. So, so here we are, and I'm excited. The Lord's given me a lot of, uh, a lot of things to, to share. And uh, I minister different than my husband, which that's, that's okay. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot of similarities and we have a lot of differences as well. So it's funny because like he comes from a a background and he's Italian and, and New York and, and, you know, all those things. And, uh, not me. (laughs) I was born in the South. I was raised in the South. You know, my mom, she's got a thick Alabama accent and never, it doesn't matter where, we go even deeper into the south, and they say, where are you from, to my mom, because she just sounds, like, she's so southern, not, like, the southern kind of reject her, they're like, I don't know what accent that is, because that's not from here, and so, you know, I was kind of just raised, like, you know, clay roads, and 
playing in the creek and, you know, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's really funny um, how the Lord uh, uh, brought us together and, and is using us because uh, my husband shared on the first night, you know, he gets it a lot that he's like sandpaper. And it's very true because, like, a lot of people will meet my husband and they don't like him at first. And, and because he'll, he just gives it to you like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't, like, you know, worry about how you're going to feel or anything like that. And um, it kind of rubs people the wrong way. But after a while, it smooths you out because it shows you, okay, no, that's not so bad. You're actually right about that. And, and uh, I share this story because um, when we met, we met in, in Bible college. Yeah, I'm going to go there. And uh, it's really funny because uh, it's true, and I can even testify it because even in, in my own life, I experienced that. Because when we first met, I realized very quickly, I'm not a huge fan of this guy. <laughs> And uh, in the nicest way, I hadn't known him, and, and uh, just like our first encounter, uh, and I share this story because it's funny, and um, we were, you know, uh, in college, and part of being in, in school requirements, you know, you, you're serving, you're in ministry, and, and ministry is work, and, and so it's not just preaching it's it's work and it's it's people and it's you know doing the work of the ministry no matter what and so you know as as students we had certain requirements of like hours to serve and and placements in the church where you serve and then you know you could be put on the cleaning team and and you're cleaning and mopping or you're outside pulling weeds or mulching but that's ministry you know you're taking care of God's house and that's ministry and so I didn't really have a good attitude one day when we were doing that because I was, uh, I think it was my first year of Bible school, and I was kind of just going there because I liked Florida, and one of the requirements to live in Florida was you have to go to Bible school, because at the time, my family were, were living in Canada, and so, you know, I was there, and I remember my friend and I, and I'd already had a bad start to the day, because um, I overslept, and then, you know, you're rushing, and then you don't get coffee, and then everyone's, like, trying to, like, give you all these tasks, and you're just like, oh, you know, don't talk to me right now. And so that was me. And so my friend and I were saying, well, we should just, like, go home, ha-ha. And I'm like, yeah, let's just, like, skip out, ha-ha, you know, making these jokes, right? But, I mean, we were joking, but not really. And because uh, we were outside, and I'm, like, pulling weeds and stuff, and I just had, like, this real bad attitude. And I, I'll tell you that now. So he comes over, and and every, he's always, like, smiling, and, like, he's always, he's always, you know, smiling like that, and he says, he overheard us, and he comes over, and I'd never spoken to this man previously. I knew of him because uh, in the school, he was promoted very quickly, so all the students knew him and, and everything uh, because he traveled with uh, Pastor Rodney, and so he comes over. He says, he says, what are y'all doing? We're, like, you know, pulling weeds and, and making the church look pretty. And, and I, I wish I could tell you I was like that woman of faith that was like, God, I'm serving your house, keeping it looking nice, Father, and I love you for it. But I wasn't. I was like, I want to go home. I want to go back to sleep. I'm tired. And I was just in my flesh. And he says, oh, y'all want to go home? And I was like, yeah. Like, I thought he was chiming in. I thought, like, three of us were about to dip out and go get some Dunkin' Donuts or something and, like, go home. He's like, oh, you know what? Y'all can go home go home, y'all can go home, so I get up, and I'm like, you right, I'm going home, 
He says, yeah, because if your heart's not in this, you might as well not even be here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said, too. I was like, excuse me. Excuse. Oh, you. Who you think? What? It's kind of getting my blood pressure up right now now that I'm thinking back about on it. But, you know, I was like, who does this man think he is? And then I, re- I had like a heart check. I was like, man, you're right. I'm supposed to be training for ministry, and I'm out here complaining. I'm supposed to be telling people to watch your confession. I'm out here like, man, I don't want to be doing this, you know. So that was, our, that was my first encounter with him. So for about, you know, better part of six months, I kind of stayed away from his direction. <laughs> and then he, you know, came around, and what he was really smart because he became friends with all of my friends. So he didn't even befriend me. He just kind of started hanging around all the people I was hanging around with, and that's how we got to know each other. And he was everything that I prayed for in a man. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, we're live and his mom's watching. But, like, he seriously was, like, because I wanted someone who had direction and had a goal and aspirations for life and a plan. And I kept meeting, you know, these guys. And I was, like, crying out to the Lord, like, Lord, I want to meet, like, I'm ready to get married. I was very young, 20 20 at the time. I was, like, I want to get married, but I want someone who's got a plan and, and, you know, I meet these guys, and they're like, I'm like, what do you feel called to do? And they're like, oh, I mean, I might go do business. And what kind of business? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like maybe like sales or something. I don't know. I might be good at that. So I was like, man, like no one has a, a, a goal. No one knows what they want. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you've been here 10 years. How do you not know what you want? <laughs> like you've been serving for 10 years. And... Uh, so then, you know, we, we went on our first date, and he asked me out for coffee, and, and I didn't even know if it was a first date because I, I drove there and met him there. He didn't come pick me up. Like, he was very, like, you know. <laughs> there was, no, no, it was good. That's, that was honorable, but it was because he didn't want to make me feel uncomfortable because you're not allowed to date while you're in school there, and, and I love that. And, and because of the appearance of evil, yes. And so, like, he did it. So he was honoring me because he didn't want to make me feel uncomfortable because at that time I had not rode alone in a car with a, a guy for at least three years at that point. So, I mean, it was very honor. I'm not saying that to make him look bad, okay? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling him how great you are. You're amazing. Because we went on this first date. And he's like, well, you know, the weather's nice, coffee's good. He says, this is what I'm called to do. What are you called to do? And I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I feel called to preach, teach, and evangelize. And he said, all right, that's what I feel called to do. And just like straight up like this, he's like, that's what I feel called to do. And I think that this might work out because your calling lines up with my calling. And he says, I'm not even kidding you. He says, and I just want you to know, I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I'm looking for a wife. On the first date, y'all, on the first date, I said, size five. Size five, baby. Size five. I'm not even kidding. I was like, let's do it. Let's go right now. Like, I'm, I have, you know what you want in life. And, and we, I mean, it was like a total God setup. And, like, within three weeks of, like, that first date, he, he someone gave him the ring. And he told me that the ring is in, and so I was like, all right, let's go, and I was like, I was like, just make sure my nails are done, and my makeup's done, like, just make sure I look cute for a photo, right, like, don't, don't, don't hit me with something on, you know, 
some Saturday off and I'm in sweatpants and you come over and like want to propose, right? But um, so but no, it was, it was beautiful. We were actually just sharing that story the other night of how he proposed and then we, we got married and, and went into ministry. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but all that to say, you know, that was a desire of my heart and, and God met that desire because, in, and it didn't matter, I got married at 21 and people were like, oh, that's too young. Or, oh, you know, you, you don't even know him, and you didn't date long enough. And, and I'm, so ha I'm so thankful for his family because, you know, in, in the Italian culture, it's, it's normal to date for six years and then be engaged for four years. And then, you know, then you get married, but you got to take so much time to get married. And, and, and his mom, she was like, let's go. Like, let's go dress shopping. Let's do this. Like, she was so excited. So, and, but when it's God, it's God. And, and then we started ministry and... It's just been amazing, but I say that because, you know, he's really uh, uh, a great man. I'm not, I'm not going to get into, you know, because I'll be here all night, you know what I'm saying, like just talking about how great he is. But um, I, will, I will share this, though, because it's actually, uh, you know, he's pointed out a lot of things to me that I never realized about, like, my upbringing and, and growing up and things like that. And so it was funny because, you know, we don't, we don't watch TV much, um, Hardly ever, and it's it's funny because the only things we do watch is like Judge Judy, right? Okay, and cops, and that's it, right? And so like that's like the only things that because I don't turn we don't turn on the news and we don't sit around and watch soap operas or Hallmark or all that kind of stuff. And so it was funny because I told him I was going to share this story because you know he always he always tells me I was, I, I was born like a country girl, and I was raised like a country girl, and sometimes he uses the word redneck, and I, I correct him. I say, no, I'm just experienced. <laughs> I just got some, some street smarts, that's all. I know how to go fishing and do all those things, and I'm like, I could survive in the wild if I needed to, and, and, and so it's, because that's total opposite of like New York, and the people of New York, New York, New York, I'm not talking about upstate, they can survive in the wild in any situation, but like New York State, or New York City, you know, I wasn't like that fit for New York City, I'm not like super city girl and, and everything, and so we were, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, listen, I was like, your upbringing wasn't really no different than mine, right, you just had like chicken cutlets and homemade uh, marinara sauce and Pasta, homemade pastas and all the and all of that. I said, I mean, I had bagel bites, like that was just as good. I'm telling you, you put those in the toaster and pizza rolls, put them in the to in the toaster for 15 minutes, baby, and you are set for the night. And so, and so he points that kind of stuff out. He's like, he's like, that's not that's not real food. He's like, that's not real food. My whole life, I just grew up on like Tostino's pizzas and all this and and. Uh, What's the, uh, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. And he's like, no, that's not even a real New York slice and, and all this stuff. And we were watching Cops one night, and it was so funny because, you know, now they, they show, like, the different counties. And Escambia County came on because I was born in Pensacola, Florida. So Escambia County, Santa Rosa County in that area. And I was like, yo, that's my home. That's my hometown. I'm like, I grew up there, and they're, like, showing, like, the crime and, the, and, and, like, the cops, and they're doing police chase, and, like, you know, this is a heroin dealer, and I'm like, yo, I know that street. 
I know that street. I used to drive that street to go to church or to go to my aunt's house. And he's like, I'm just saying, like, I have never seen my county on cops. Like, I'm not saying you grew up, like, rough, but I'm just telling you right now, I'm not, my, like, Nassau County has never been on the show Cops. And that's, like, kind of when I started to realize, like, but I'm street smart. I, I, but, you know, I could survive. And so it, it's just so funny. Like, so when I say the Lord would use someone like me, to come and, and preach the word and lay hands and minister and do the things that I'm doing. It's because, like, the Lord will just use, the Lord will use anyone. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter how, if, you know, where you went to school or, or you know, if you stutter or, uh, you know, you have a hard time talking to people. Because, like, when the anointing is on you, it will take you to another level. And because, like, this right here, it's not me. Like, it's not me. Like, by, by trait, like, I grew up homeschooled, and, and I wasn't, like, a social kid. I was introverted. Like, I, bad. Like, bad. I couldn't look people in the eyes. Like, my, my dad tried so hard to, like, teach me, like, you know, social skills and, and like, you know, shake their hand and look them in the eye when you're talking to them and, and greet people. And I just, like, you know, for the longest time, I'd be like, hey, I'm Sarah. And they're like... So how old are you? I'm like, mate. You know, like I just like didn't like I didn't like talking to people or anything. And really up until the age of 18, I just I wasn't I wasn't a social butterfly. I was complete opposite. Social speaking was like not my skill. And it was just like I I had a hard time connecting with people. I didn't really care about people. I didn't really like want to be bothered. I just wanted to, you know, be by myself. And it was when I went to Bible college, it was when I went to the river that the boldness, like the Holy Spirit just downloaded a boldness on me. And that's what I've been praying. I've been in prayer today that that same anointing, that same boldness, that same, the same spirit that just came over me, took away anxiety, took away fear, took away depression, took away all of these things that were attached to my life. And I grew up, listen, I grew up in church. I was a, uh, I became a pastor's kid at 10 years old. So, like, my mom, you know, she was a Holy Ghost woman my whole life. Like, it's, so it's not something to just say. It's like going, I was going through the motions, right? I went to the youth groups. I, you know, had a relationship with my youth pastor. But it wasn't until, like, I really let the Lord do something in my life. And that's where he did it. And he, and when I was 18 years old, I remember the Lord came on me, and I just had a passion for people. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, you know, I cared for people. And I cared for the, the people I, I would meet at the, the drive-thru or at the restaurant or in the parking lot. Like, I just cared for people. I saw people, uh, like, the way God saw them. Like, I could, and I would, the Lord, like, the more I grew that, like, I would just start talking to them. And, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I, you know, they, and they would start opening up about their life. And, and I would want, I wanted so bad to like lead someone to the Lord because I, I'm like, man, I don't, I went 18 years of my life without leading anyone to the Lord. Right. And so I remember the first time I ever led someone to the Lord, like I, I, I wanted to share my faith because um, my pastor, Pastor Rodney, he was sharing about how he used to be afraid of heights, and he shared this story one night, and I, it just stuck with me because he went 
to uh, some building that had like a glass elevator and he would just ride it up and down, up and down, up and down. I don't even know, maybe 40 stories. I don't even know how high it went. And he would like look out and just force himself to get over this fear of heights because he's like, I can't have fear. I can't have fear. And he would yell at himself and say, I will not be afraid. Like he's just like getting over that. And I'm sure he says like people getting on the elevator and off the elevator thought he was like cuckoo because he's just there. But I was like, no, I'm going to do that. And I remember one night after a church service, I went and I was like, the only place that was open was Walmart. And so I went to Walmart and I sat in the parking lot and I was by myself. You know, I was single. I, I hadn't even met anyone at, at that time. And I was living in Tampa and my, my whole family was in Canada at that time because they moved there for a few years. And I just remember sitting in my car and it was such a powerful service. And just like the services, it really was just like the services that we've been having here. Like you just leave and you just feel like I got to do something about it. Like I can't just go home and like go back into the routine and go to work or go to school and just like, you know, think about it as a memory and let it become a memory. Like I got to do something. And so that anointing like came on me and I was like, I was sitting in my car. And I'm sure I looked like cuckoo because I was like yelling. I was like, I will win a soul. I will share my faith. I will. And and because I had never done it. I'd seen it done. I knew how to do it. I'd memorized all the steps, what to say, how to pray, and I just never did it. Say, it's time to do it. Because I'm going to go somewhere with this, all right? So I went inside. I remember I was like prayed up. And I went inside. And the first person I saw, they looked rough, like just out of jail kind of rough. And I said, not you. <laughs> Not you, Lord. Give me someone easy, God. Give me someone easy, God. And then I walk in, and I see this, like, one mom who she just looks like she needs it, man. She just looks like a single mom. But she was yelling at her kid, and I was like, not you either. Lord, help me. Father, God, help me. Because I'm like, I don't want her to direct that anger at me, right? You ever, you ever see that when you're in, like, Walmart or, or checkout, and someone's like, put the candy back, and you're just, like, trying to stay in your lane. You know, you don't want to make eye contact because... They'd be like, you're next, right? <laughs> and, so, and so I remember, so I'm like, walk, I'm like back in the shoe section of Walmart at like 10 p.m. at night. And I'm just like, all right, Lord. And I heard something on like the other side of the aisle. And there's like this older gentleman. I'm like, okay, I can work with that. I can work with that. And he's like looking for work shoes. And, and so I like walk over to him. And I'm like, hi, uh, how are you tonight? He's like, oh, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm just looking for some work shoes for work in the morning. I mean, he looked like probably 65 years old. And I was like shaking and I was like sweating. And I was like, that's great. Um, I just want to ask, has any, uh, just like that, just like I'm not even, has anyone um, told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life? And he said, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. I was like, oh, okay. And I said, um, well, if something were to happen, if you were to die tonight, do you know if, if you would go to heaven? And he's like, well, you know, I'd hope so. I mean, this guy's like the, the scenario that they taught us, like that's just like the perfect scenario. Like they're open to receive. They don't really know if they go to heaven. Like, you know, it's just like the perfect setup. And, I mean, I'm shaking. I'm like, hey, can I just pray for you, man? <laughs> and he said, oh, sure. And he, and he, and he let me pray. And, and I was able to just like pray and I let him through. 
uh, you know, they call it the Romans road to salvation because the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you're saved. And, and it's so funny because like so many times, you know, we get that, well, how do you know they're saved? And I want to say, well, how do you know you're saved? <laughs> right? How do you know you're saved? And so, and so I led them to the Lord and man, I was so excited. And it was like, once I did it once, it, it like broke something off me because anytime the enemy would come and tell me like, you don't like people or you can't talk to people or who do you think you are to share with them? And it was like, no, I already did it. Actually, I actually already did it. So it's like when you use your faith for something and you get breakthrough in it and the enemy tries to come back and be like, yeah, but, and you're like, no, actually, actually it already happened once, right? It already happened once. Amen. Say it already happened once, but it takes you say it takes me to do. Amen. It takes you to take that step. You know, the Bible says, uh, faith without works is dead. And I want to go to James. James 2, verse 17, it says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Another translation says, faith without works is dead. You know, you can talk about faith. You can say, I have faith. But until you're actually doing it, because faith is taking the step, Right? When the Lord tells you to, to quit your job and, and, and go somewhere, you know, you can have that word deposited in you. You can know that was the Lord. You can know that he's going to come through and you can know he's going to provide for you. But until you quit that job and go somewhere, it's dead, right? The Lord can say, share your faith with your family. And you can know that, that you know, I can see him saved and on fire for God. But until you go and do it, it's dead because it takes you taking the step. If the Lord says for you to start a business, it takes you taking the step. If the Lord tells you to write a book, it takes you taking the step. And it's in the step where God meets you. Because he says it's in the step. If you go in, in James 1, verse 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, says sets you free. And if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, say then, then God will bless you for doing it. Because God works with doers. God doesn't work with hearers. Now understand this, faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? So hearing the Bible, being in the Bible, reading the Bible, listening to the word on your way to work, you know, when you're home. You know, that's why my husband and I, we don't watch TV. We put on preaching in the background. If you don't like a quiet house, that's fine. Put on preaching. Put on the word. Put on some worship. You know, when you're going, if you have, a, oh, if you have over a 10-minute commute, you should have a playlist set of, like, your favorite sermons or messages that you want to hear or, you know, people you want to listen to that are going to encourage your faith, right? Because you are building up your faith. 
But once that faith is built up, it requires an action. It requires you to do something. It's not just for us to come here and, and hear the word and then feel all good and then go home and, and just not do anything about it. Because it's not until you do something that you're, you know, you, it, the breakthrough requires you to do, right? And that's all throughout the Bible. You know, God instructed people to do something, but it wasn't until they did it that they saw the breakthrough. Because faith without works is dead. It's not something that you can, you, can, you know, to use your faith and say, well, I'm going to believe God that I'm not going to have to work anymore. And I'm going to believe for salary to come in and pay for all my bills. And I'm, don't, I'm not going to have to do anything. No, it's not for that. Because it says faith without works is dead. So are you going to be ministering? Are you going to be sharing? Are you going to be soul winning? Are you going to be building up yourself? Are you going to be working for the kingdom? Are you going to be doing something? Because so many times people think, well, I'm just comfortable where I'm at. Well, I don't need to go up another level because that's something I'm not used to. Or God might tell me to do something I don't want him to tell me to do. Right? It was like that when I went to Bible college because I was comfortable where I was at. I was going to go get a job and, you know, make six figures a year. I was going to go to a nine-month trade school, be, have all my certifications, and just go work in the oil industry. I was like, man, I'm just going to do that and make money and live my life, and I'm going to be so comfortable, and I'm going to be so happy. But then I knew that God was calling me to go to Bible school to be trained up for the ministry. And I said, well, you know, my family's in ministry, and I never really saw myself in ministry, but you know, I'd seen everything uh, because, you know, being a pastor's kid, you kind of know everything that goes on in a church and, and all about church and, and church people and how wonderful they are. And amen. That's not shade. I'm just saying how, you know, most, 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 yeah. And, and so it was something that I just, I wasn't sure of. So I said, well, I'll try it. I said, God, I'll give you one year. I'll do one year. And if you don't speak to me to go into the ministry, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'll go, do, I'll go live life. I'll go, you know, I'll still serve you. I'll still love you. I wasn't, like, trying to, to walk away from God. But it was something like, I'll give you a chance. And I knew in my heart I was going to get there and he was going to send me into the ministry and tell me to stay there for another year. And, and I knew that. And I didn't really want that at the time. Because why? It would have been uncomfortable. I would have known, like, I'm going to have to get out of this comfort zone. I'm going to have to talk to people. I'm going to have to do things that I've never really wanted to do. But say, it's time to do. So I went, and that is what happened. And I told the Lord, it was a, a I had already been in school up for two, uh, two years at this point. And I told the Lord, all right, God, I want you to speak to me clearly on what you want me to do with my life. What am I here for? Do you want me to be a pastor? Do you want me to be an evangelist? You know, can I get married first? And, and like, I was, I just told the Lord, I was like, because people would say, oh, you know, what are you called to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here. I'm just serving till I figure it out, till the Lord tells me, until I know for sure what he's called me to do. And I remember it was a Thursday afternoon. And, um, 
there was a great man of God ministering, and he said, line up all the students. When I lay my hands on you, the Lord's going to speak to you what it is he's going to have you do. And I was like, praise God, he's been in my prayer closet. Like, this is it. And it was, it was that day they lined us all up, and it was such a radical encounter with God. And he's just walking by, and he didn't, like, he didn't know me. He didn't, like, uh, prophesy a word over me because a lot of people say, Lord, you know, I want, you to call, I want them to call me out and give me a word and everything. He just walked by, fire, 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 fire. And he got to me, and he said, fire, and he kept going. But as soon as he laid his hand, I had set my faith, just like the woman with the issue of blood. I know if I could just touch the hem of his garment that I could be healed. I'd set my faith to that point of contact. Lord, the minute hands are laid on me, you're going to speak clearly to my spirit what it is. And he laid his hands on me, and the Lord said, preach, teach, and evangelize. And I said, all right. I said, I'm going to be evangelist. All right, praise God. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I had had such a different outlook from that day. So when people are like, what do you feel called to do? Preach, teach, and evangelism. That's what I'm called to do. And the Lord gave me like a heart for souls. Like I went after people like never before. And I'm not saying that to boast in me. I'm telling you it was God. Because if he could use someone like me who was just like, you know, and I, and I know there's so many people who ha who've had a, a rougher upbringing, but it's like I've truly seen the goodness of God in my life. And he, and he took me from where I was and put, and put that anointing on me. and set, Just like my husband read the other night about, um, about David, how he was just anointed. He was about his father's business, out serving in the fields, minding his own business, taking care of the sheep, and, and doing what seemed mundane doing what other people thought was boring, doing what other people thought was insignificant, doing what other people would have said is unimportant. But he was doing it, and that's where God saw him. That's where God saw his heart. Because I know there are people in this room, I know it, that you are serving in this house, or you are about your father's business, and you have family and friends who are like, don't you think that's too much? Don't you think that's a little old? Don't you think you could, like, be doing something else? Don't you think your God is so great that you could, you know? But that is something, and it, and it's a, it rises up like an anger. Like when, when David had heard Goliath speaking and mocking his God, that I just want to say, shut up okay shut up to so that spirit because that's what it is it's that mocking spirit and and it's something like that they you know you get the family you get the friends and they're like and the biggest thing when I told people I'm going into ministry they're like but there's no money in that <sighs> oh there's no money in that and I just went shut up shut up be quiet Sorry if there's little ears. That was a bad word when I grew up, so I'm glad my mom's not watching. But that was, I was like, be quiet. I said, the Lord will provide. And he has. And I remember there was a time I had just, I had graduated Bible school. And I had gotten a, a job opportunity to work for one of the, the greatest uh, evangelistic ministries, in my personal opinion. Um, and, and it was something because that was a desire in my heart. Cause I'm like, okay, I want to learn about how to run a, a evangelistic ministry. I'm going to have to know how to do that. And the legal side of that and the practical side of that. And, and so I gotten hired on, um, to work in a media department and they had flown me up and this was in Pittsburgh and they told me, 
you know, this is what your salary would be. And I, I, I was probably, what, 21. I was 21 at the time. So I didn't really know anything about, like, you know, I was like, okay, great. You know, I, I had not, my parents had, you know, I'm thankful to have parents who supported me through college. So I really didn't know what, like, bills were or, like, you know, utility bills or anything. And so I was like, oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah, sign here, you know. And, and, they, and they did me right. And, but it was something like, okay, now I need to look for a place to live. And I need to look for, like, um, uh, transportation. I need to look for, like, all these things. And, and so my parents, they're like, well, you know, we won't, you know, the, the, the deal we had made was, you know, we're going to support you while you're at Bible college. But it's like, once you go on, all right, that's it. You're, you're cut, right? And so they're, like, you know, talking to me. And, uh they said that they would provide my transportation for until I could get like settled and and married because we had known each other at this point and, and so I was very thankful for that. And I remember getting into a debate with someone who was like, well, where are you gonna live when you go there? Like, are you sure God's called you there? Because like, you don't have, you don't have any money, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a, a full grasp on like, the financial overflow of God, and so I was eating out a lot and a lot of fast food and just kind of blowing my money on stuff. and And, and I'm like, no, I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to save my money. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay rent. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and and do this. But you know what I had in me? I had the word because I had just been in, in Bible school for two years and I had faith and I'd heard great stories of men and women of God who had who had gone to countries with with hardly no money, and they had family and kids, and, and they made it, and they God provided. And I heard, you know, stories of men who were uh, men of God who were traveling, and this was like before phones were invented and needed money, and they felt like, you know, leaves up against their legs, and it was like dollar bills, amen. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And I remember getting into this heated debate about where I was going to live uh, with a family member. And... I just had this, like, this righteous anger, like, just kind of, like, grow in me. And they're like, I just don't think it's, I don't think that's right. Because I don't think that's right for you. Because you don't have, like, you don't have a place to live, right? And, 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 and you're going to be tra- training for the ministry. But it makes more sense for you to do this. And, and they mean well. Because a lot of times family will mean well, right? But they just say these things. And I just remember saying No. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to move, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to support myself because my God is with me, and I will not fail. And I know he told me to do this. I know this is not a good thing. It's a God thing. I know God is in it. And, they, and then we were just going back and forth. And then finally, I just got to the point of, like, Esther. I was like, if I die, I die. <laughs> you know, I just, and I just remember I said, no, if I have to go there and sleep in my car, I'm going. And I had that faith, right? And it was like after you say, and this is how you know that you're in the, the flow of the spirit. Because you say something and then you think, what did I just say? What did I just come out of my mouth? Right? You're like, no, I'm going to win a thousand souls this year. And then you're like, what did I just say? Or, or you know, like my husband and I, we're going to feed a thousand families this year. And we're like, what did we just say? Right? So you got, So I had that. I was like man, if I die, I die. Like, I'm sitting there, and this is all going on in my mind. But, and so, I, and, and I'm not even kidding, because it was like, and that's like, okay, 
all right. And that was like the end of the discussion. And then a week later, I get a phone call. Uh, no, actually, I, I met with someone, and they had no idea about that story. They had no idea about what I was thinking, and they had no idea what I was going through. They just, like, uh, felt to take me out to coffee, and they said, well, we believe in you, and so we're going to pay your apartment for a year. And, we'll, you know, at the end of that year, we'll see where you're at, and, and, and we're going to cover all the bills, and we're going to cover all the utilities. Amen? And I said, praise God. <laughs> it works. Faith works. Moving works. <laughs> Declaring the word works. Calling those things that are not as though they are works. Because people want to stick a label and say, oh, you're just name it and claim it. Or, oh, you just think you can have what you can say, what you, you, you say. And it's like, yeah, this isn't the Bible. It's in the Bible. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, then it shall happen. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. And so I took that word and I said, you know what, I got faith for it. And so then once I had conquered that, then, you know, other things start coming up, financial needs. And I said, but God already did it once. God already did it once. And he's done it. And then I got married. And then it was like my faith joined with his. And we were linked up in the spirit. And it was like, all right, two or more can come into agreement. I said, baby, we got two or more here in this room. And then it was like, it was just supernatural. It was supernatural, like the way things just were paid off, the way things were uh, handled, and, and the way like we just bought a house. I have no credit, like I've never had a credit card a until like probably three months ago, okay? So I was like, you know, I, it, wasn't my, it wasn't my faith to like, uh, uh, you know, and just never relied on it. And, and so it was, it was so interesting because then, you know, we bought a house, and then we sold a house, and then it didn't make sense to anyone in the natural because we'd only lived there 18 months. But say, my God shall supply all my needs. And I just, like, and I just remember thinking, like, man, God has come through. Like, we, we took a job that was uh, in the natural, a major pay cut for, from what we were making because, you know, we, we got comfortable where we were, you know, we were both doing ministry kind of, you know, when, when our job allowed and, and, you know, maybe my husband will share one night, but it was like, you know, we were making great money. We had a, a great townhouse and a great car and, and we were just like living life and we're like, man, this is so comfortable. And we always notice that as soon as we start getting comfortable, it's like when God's like, hmm, not for long. <laughs> And so we said, all right, well, and so my husband, um, he said, well, uh, let's go, let's go surprise your parents. Because uh, at that time, my parents had just uh, uh, taken over a church outside of Chicago. And he said, let's go, I think it was for Mother's Day or something. Said, yeah, no, okay, so it was my mom's birthday. It was in March. Because my husband had just gotten back from Costa Rica because he went there to minister. And, and it was great. And, and so he came back and he still had time off of work. And so I took time off of work and we went to Chicago to surprise my mom. And so we were there. And it was so funny because, like, I hadn't seen my parents in a, in a while because um, of travel and whatever. And, and my husband's really brought me close 
with family because he's a big family guy. And so he's like, let's just go like see your parents and your family. And so we drove there. And again, listen, we were comfortable. I was comfortable. I was so like comfortable with where we were living and what we were doing. And I'm like, it was like just enough. It's like just enough ministry to like make you feel like you're doing something and, and for the kingdom. But I knew that that word that was given over me to preach, teach, and, and evangelize, I knew like we weren't fulfilling that. and I wasn't fulfilling that. And, uh, but I was like, you know, I'm just, it's just comfortable enough. So we went and, and visited my mom in Chicago, and we saw the church that they had just t- taken over and, and uh, you know, how much work that needed to be done in the church to help it get going and growing and training up people and, and all of this. And, and it was so funny because um, we were driving home after that weekend trip, and my mom, she was thrilled uh, to see us and everything. And on the drive home, it was a Sunday afternoon, and we had eight hours. And it's always funny because, like, you know, usually if my husband and I have, like, something to discuss uh, on a long road trip, if it's, if it's really good, we'll discuss it at, like, the beginning and just talk, like, the whole road trip about it, right? But if it's not something really good, we wait till like, we're 15 minutes from home. Right. So if it if it's not, you know, and, and so that way it's like, all right, well, well, you know, we'll talk about it later and just like kind of go inside and, and unpack and stuff. And so he we're driving and, and I always know when he's like talking like like he was last night under the anointing and he's in these saying things. He said, I really feel like the Lord's going to move us here within this year. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, someone spiked your pizza. Like, I was like, you what? I was like, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Because at this time, like, this was uh, in uh, 2020. So, you know, he was um, uh, he was working construction, you know, just to be working, putting his hands. If you don't work, you don't eat, the Bible says. So he was providing and working. But he wasn't, we weren't being fulfilled where we were. And so he said, yeah, you know, I really feel like God's going to call us to help your your parents at their church and help them, you know, grow it and help them establish it. And, and we're going to move there. And I was like, you crazy. I was like, you are crazy. And he's like, no, no, I really do. And, and I'm not even kidding for, that was probably the quietest eight hour ride I've ever had with my husband. Cause I'm sitting there thinking like, no, no. I was like, no way. What am I going to tell people? No. What, am I, what do you mean I'm going to go work for, work with my parents? Like, I, I was like, what do you mean? I said, I moved out. I was leaving Cleve, baby. I'm not going back to work with them. What are you talking about? He's like, no, no, I do, I do. I'm not kidding. Like, and, and this is where I'm not, you know, ashamed to, to tell you all how far I have come in the Lord and in my faith. Amen. Because... I, I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. You are crazy. I was not submissive. <laughs> I was far from it. I wish y'all I could say, like, I was the most submissive wife. And I said, husband, you are a man of God, and I submit to you as the head of our house, and we I will pack our bag. No, it was far from it. I actually said no. Like, as if I had authority, right, like spiritual authority, be like, no. Like, I just said no, and that was and. And I remember one day before work, like this is a few days later, it might have even been the next day, that 
you know, because he had just been on it. He's like, no, I really, he's like, and he was like trying to prepare me. He's like, no, babe, like I really feel like we're going to do this. Like I feel like this is going to give us like more ministry experience, more pastoral experience, more people experience. I feel like it'll be a great asset to our ministry to know like how to run a church and the, the works of it. And I was like, but I, I grew up a BK. I know what that's like. Like I'm a pastor's kid. What are you talking about? And And so the next morning, I just woke up, and I hadn't even opened my eyes, y'all. I didn't even open my eyes. And, again, this is part of the story where I wish I could, I could say, I was like, yes, husband, whatever you say. I said, I am not moving to Chicago. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I will not. And then he's like, yo, chill. Like, relax. Get some coffee. Relax. And, and it was, and so... And, and I was just like, and he, and at that time we had one car, so he had to drop me off at work. And I remember he dropped me off at work and, and he said, you know what, Sarah, I'm just going to let the Lord deal with you. <laughs> right. I, I got out the car. I said, well, I'm going to let him deal with you. So let's see which one he deals with. <laughs> right. Right. And then I go inside, and I'm working for our ministry. Like, I was setting up our 501c3, and, I, and uh, uh, the, one of the, the admins at the ministry who I look up to as a great woman of God, she was helping me. And so I was, we were, I was working late because she was helping me. And she was like, she was just, you know, asking these questions. And she said, um, you know, we were talking about churches and all this stuff. She said, would you all ever go, like, take over a church somewhere? I said, so funny you ask that. I said, my husband's trying to get us to move and, and be a part of this church and help and, like, move. And she's like, so when are y'all leaving? <laughs> I said, that's the point. I told him no. And, y'all, I got the biggest rebuke. She said, you mean you're not submissive? And I was like, no, what you? She said, you better move where that man says to move and do what that man says. I mean, she, and I'm, like, cleaning it up, y'all, because she, like, told me off, like, you, you're not doing that. And it was like that reality check, right? It was like that, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm, I am supposed to, like, go where he says go and, and follow his leading. And, and I didn't, because I didn't, you know, I, I know some, I've met, I've met those couples where it's like, you know, the wife wears the pants, right? And... I was like, man, I'm never going to be like that. I'm not. I was like, I don't know. And, and it's funny because like a great man of God, I believe it was Kenneth Hagin uh, or Lester Summerall said, uh, no, Kenneth Hagin, he says, um, you know, some fellas enjoy that. So that's why that happens. And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to be like that. And then there I was like, I told him, no, I'm not moving. And so, y'all, she, she talked to me for an hour and it was, it was cool because she was, like, partially, like, my em employer. So, like, it was good to have that, you know, the backing because I was, like, how would I ever leave my job? Like, you know. And so she's, like, you just better do it. She said, and you write me the letter of your uh, resignation and how many weeks until y'all move. And she's, like, and just have it to me by tomorrow. And so, you know, this man comes to pick me up, right? Because we got, again, one car. And so I get in the car. And we're just riding. It's real quiet. And I said, so uh, I, th um, 
I guess it's all right, you know. I was thinking about it, and I didn't think about it this way, but, you know, now I see, like, kind of what you were saying. And so, like, if you wanted to, I, you know, I get, like, if God told you, right, like, I would never go against what God said. And, and I'm like, that's, that's fine, yeah. And he said, hmm, hmm. yeah. Lord dealt with you, and I was like, "Shut your mouth! Just get inside. Just, just let's just order a pizza, okay?" And, and I mean, it was like it was that thing where it was just like I was out of line, and 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 I'm not ashamed to say that because I learned from that and I grew from that, and uh, and so anyway, it was like just that step of faith because I knew that was an example of some like. I knew God was saying, but I didn't want to be listening. And uh, sorry if I talk like, you know, again, that's a southern thing. Like once I feel like comfortable, I start, you know, referring back to ain't and, and I sound like a little southern. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> so then we were packing our bags and uh, we, we told our landlord that we were breaking our lease and we were going to be moving to Chicago. And... It was a step of faith because we didn't know what that was going to look like. You know, my husband and I had never lived there, and we didn't know, like, we had never worked for, like, a church. At that point, we had worked in ministries, but not, like, you're an associate pastor, and, and you know. So it was a great experience, and the Lord really uh, helped us grow, and it was all the Lord because there's so many times where, the enemy will come in and say, like, you know, just like he did with Eve in the garden and and cause doubt or cause confusion or have you second guess, right? When he was telling Eve, like, did God say that? Right? He sows those seeds of doubt and where you start questioning, did God say that? Did God call me to do that? Did God tell me to leave that job? Did God tell me to start this job? Did God tell me to move? Did And you start, like, you know, if you let yourself... You'll start second-guessing, which will cause doubt. And doubt is the opposite of faith, right? But faith says, you know what? No, I know I heard a word. I know I'm in the will of God. I know God told me to do this. I know I'm on the right track. I know I'm going to be blessed. It might not look like it in my bank account right now. It might not look like I have peace in my family right now. It might not look like that person's going to be saved right now. But I have faith, and I'm going to stand on faith, and I'm going to believe the word of the Lord that was spoken I'm going to find my scripture for it. I'm going to confess it. And so it was like all of these things where, and then God showed himself along the way. I was actually sharing this story earlier. You know, the day came where it was time for us to move. And we had already told, you know, put in our notice with our landlord. And the new family was moving in the next day. And so I said, well, there's no minute like the last minute now that I look back on it. But it was like we, we had, uh, reserved our RV, or RV, uh, our U-Haul. And we were going to go and just load it up and just drive straight to Chicago. And the morning we woke up, we went and got coffee, and then we were checking in for our, our reservation, and there was no U-Haul reservation. And so it was like, oh, well, that's fine. We'll just get another one. Well, you know, the summer of 2020, there wasn't, like, a ton of U-Hauls readily available. So there was actually none in our town, so in the next town, and the town an hour away, or the town two hours away, and we found one that was three hours away, and I was like, all right, if you drive now to go pick it up with someone, 
and you drive three hours, then you get it, you drive three hours back, and then we just lose six hours of this day, and then we could just like hustle and really like load it up, and we're trying to make it all work out in our head, and I'm telling you, if you think that the enemy doesn't take opportunity to come when you're like, man, did God tell us to do this? Because it's like something like, you know, stress wants to come on you and fear and anxiety. And, man, what are we going to do? And we're supposed to be out of here, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And then my husband, I remember, he looks on his phone. It's about 9 a.m. He looks on his phone, and he finds a town I'd never heard of that's 20 minutes away. And it says they have one U-Haul. And it's not a one-way rental because they wanted you to do round trip because they want the U-Hauls back. And so he called the lady. He said, do you have anything? She said, I have one if you would like it. He said, yes. She said, huh? Oh, yeah, because she said, "Um, okay, well, where are you going? He said, Chicago. She said, oh, well, that's a a long drive. Like, are you going to? He said, I'll bring it back. He said, I don't care. I'll bring it back if that's the only way I can get it. I'll bring it back. She's like, oh, no, honey, I'll just waive that fee. I'll just let you take it. Just take it one way. And, y'all, it was the biggest U-Haul that you can get. I mean, the next size up, you'd need, like, a, a special driver's license to drive, right? And so we went, and 20, within 30 minutes of this panic and this fear that was trying to come on me, I was crying, y'all. I was, like, in the bank, and I was just, like, crying. I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm, like, I'm just, like, and then I come outside in the parking lot. He's, like, I got it. Let's go. And I was, like, what do you mean? And he told me the story, and we went and picked it up, and then we came, and we just loaded it up. And then, you know, and, you, and I'm sure you realize this in your life, but there's these moments where if you allow yourself You'll just become so consumed with something where you don't see a way out. You'll, you'll just become so consumed with a, a fear or a worry or an anxiety or something. Because like my husband said, it's, no one's exempt from that, right? It's scriptural to be challenged, but it's unscriptural to be defeated. So you can have challenges come up, an uh, unexpected bill or uh, uh, unexpected uh, just so, like something in life, like you get fired from your job or, or someone in the family is talking behind your back and, and gossiping or, or something like that. And it's like you can, you can, if you allow yourself, you could just become consumed where you're up late at night. Maybe you get a bad doctor's report. You're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you just like get all, you know, full of fear and worry and anxiety. And then someone could come in and, and I, come on, I'm not the only one, where they just want to speak a scripture and you're like, I don't want to hear that right now. You don't understand what I'm going through. That's not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear glory to glory and victory to victory and strength to strength. Because why? You're so consumed. You can't see a way out. And I want to tell you, if you're at that point, if you're at that point, you have to you have to cut it, right? If you're if you're losing sleep over something, if you're worried about something, you can't focus at your job. If you're heartbroken, if you're crying yourself to sleep every night, you have to cut it. Because why? Faith is action, right? So even though it doesn't feel good, even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen, even though it doesn't look like you're coming out of it, even though it doesn't look like your family's going to see the way you see, you have to by faith cut it off. You have to act healed. You have to speak like like you have what you can say. 
You have to speak like your family's in church on Sunday, worshiping God. You have to see it. You have because that's what faith is. It's seeing that that that's it's seeing that invisible and it's pulling it down. It's seeing that with your with your heavenly eyes. It's seeing that into the the, the impossible. It's seeing that 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 heroin addict family member and, and you see them. You know what? It might not look good right now, but they're coming to church. It's seeing that, that family that's going through a divorce and saying, it might not look good right now, but they're coming back to the Lord, right? It's seeing that bankruptcy and saying, you know what? I'm bouncing back from that. It's seeing that, you know what? They might have stole from me. They might have hurt me. They might have said something behind my back. Let people talk. You have to focus because you know what I've realized is that the thing that you can be crying about could actually be resolved within minutes, and there's been many times in my life, and that's just one example of something I was crying about that was resolved in minutes. And then you come outside, and he's like, hey, we got it. We got the U-Haul. And you're just like, I wasn't crying for that. Like, it was just like you feel dumb, like just crying for something that the Lord's like, I got, I got it. I already got it. You're fine, right? You could be going through, like, a, a financial challenge. And then get a, a check in the mail unexpectedly, and then all of a sudden everything's fine, right? That's being led by emotions. That's being led by feelings. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings will toss you around like the waves to and fro. Feelings are unstable. You could be happy one minute and sad the next minute and scared the next minute and then happy again. But that's what it says. That's why it says we don't live by our feelings. We don't live by what we see. We live by faith. We don't go by what we feel. We live by faith. You might be feeling the symptoms of the sickness, but you're not sick. You don't speak that out of your mouth. You might be feeling the symptoms of not having enough money in the bank, but you're not broke. You are rich because he says so. Amen. You might not feel bold, but the Bible says that he's not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. Actually, turn there with me. Second Timothy 1, verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames of the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation says a sound mind. And verse 8 says, so never, say never, never, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that, that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So here he's saying, God's not even giving you a spirit of fear. So if you're experiencing that, it's not from God. It's from who? The devil, yes. Fear, worry, anxiety, all of these things that try to attach itself to your life. It's not from God, so therefore it's from the devil. And then he says to not be ashamed. And then I like to, if you go, 
flip over a page, 2 Timothy 4. And I was reading this the other day, and it just blessed me. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others, say telling others, the good news, and fully, say fully, carry out the ministry God has given you. And that's so relevant. Isn't that like you would think he wrote that in 2022, right? That's so relevant. Is that other people are going out there and they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that you can have what you say. They don't want to hear about provision and prosperity. They don't want to hear about soul winning. They don't want to hear about leading people to Jesus and sharing your faith. Because why? They don't want to hear about tithing. They go look around for other people who are going to say, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. God loves you. Just you being you. Just you being you. God loves you. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything for God. Right? You don't have to pray like that. No, you don't have to believe like that. No, you don't have, you don't have to do that. It's okay. It's okay if you want to go get, you know, lit at the club with your girlfriends on the weekend. Because that's okay. God loves you. You don't have to go to church. Church is in you right? You don't have to give to God. That don't get you to heaven. That's fine. You don't have to do that. There's people out there, okay? There's, there's pastors, there's teachers, there's preachers out there who just kind of say like what people want to hear, right? That's what happens. They want to say what people want to hear. And so people flock to that. And then, you know, there's all of us here on this Friday night, in church, and we're the ones looking crazy to the world, right? Oh, you go to church on a Tuesday, right? Every day this week. How many of you have been here every night? All right. All right. So, all right. How many of you, this is your first night? Okay. Praise God. He's going to catch you right up. It's going to be like you just, you know, grab on, strap yourself in, because you. it's going to be powerful. Amen? It's going to be powerful. So, you see, like, this right here, and, and it's so funny because it's like, this isn't only for the believers. Like, non-believers, well, you know, uh, they just want to go with what they want to hear. So pastors will, pastors will condone it. And, and I'm not, you know, but no, I'm going to go there. Because, you know, it's like they just want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear about sin and the consequences of sin. They want to hear about grace and the goodness of grace. And I can do what I want because, you know, and they want to hear once saved, always saved. There's no way I can lose it. You know, they just want to hear that so people will preach that. And then you go out into the world and it's even more but so because people don't want to hear about sin who are living in sin. People who are living together unmarried don't want to hear that it's a sin to live together when you're not married. People who, you know, want to go out and, and drink and smoke and dope and whatever, they don't want to hear about it. They want to hear about God's grace. They want to hear, oh, but God loves me. And that's true. He does love you. 
He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to come and save you because he wants a relationship with you. But he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to put you on top. He wants to make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed coming in, blessed going out. He wants to set you aside, give you a testimony. Because there's people in here, your, your testimony is so powerful. You just have to share it. Because some of you have been places that I've never even been, and you could testify to things that I've never even done, and it doesn't make, it doesn't, just because I have a microphone doesn't make my testimony any more powerful than yours. I'm just the one who told God I would go up and share it. All right? Because God said, go and do. So I said, all right, God, I'll go and do. I'll go and reach people. I'll go and love people. I'll go and set people on fire for you, God. I'll give you all the glory for it. And he said, all right, you're a doer. I can use that. And some of you, even, even last night when my husband gave that call to those of you who are, feel called into the ministry, you know, in this verse it says, don't be afraid to, of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry. Say ministry. ministry. God has given you. He's given every one of us a ministry. Amen? And it doesn't mean that you have to stand on a stage with a microphone. He has given every one of us a ministry. Even if you're not even called to ministry, you have a ministry. You could be called to business, and you just have supernatural favor with people who have influence or with top, uh, top dogs and, I don't know, how, a CEO. <clears throat> CEOs. <laughs> You could have such incredible favor with CEOs and people in high power. Or you're just relatable. You just relate to people. And you, you could just talk to anybody. That's a ministry. Maybe you're someone that you just like, your, th your thing is just encouraging people. That's a ministry. Maybe you, maybe you just love to give and you want to fund the kingdom. You know what? I can't be the one to be there at the outreach to serve or volunteer or preach or speak, but I can, I, can, I can give for it. I can give to it. I can give to the work of the kingdom. You know, maybe, maybe you can't volunteer, but you can give because God's blessed you. That's a ministry. Maybe you're good. You have a, a skill set, you know, and that's what the body of Christ is. That's what the body of Christ is. It's everybody coming together and saying, what's your talent? What are you good at? I can pray, pray. I can clean, clean. I can, I can speak. I could do children's ministry. I can volunteer here. I can give. I can sow. I have influence here. And that's what the, that's what the body of Christ is. And that's ministry. And it's not mundane. It's not uh, unhelpful. Uh, it's not insignificant, right? Because why? It's you working at what God gave you. If you would. Turn to Matthew 25. We got plenty of time. Y'all just buckle up. We got plenty of time. It's Friday. Yeah, amen, Pastor. It's Friday. It's Friday. Matthew 25, verse 14. 
And I love this passage. And it's going to tie in. I promise I'm going to tie all this in. Is this helping anybody tonight? Amen? Okay. Verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags to one. uh, Sorry, five bags of silver to one. Two bags of silver to another. And one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Say their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account, say give an account, of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Say small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Say many more. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful, say faithful, in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, say excuses. Okay, say excuses. Harvesting or you did not plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I was afraid, say excuses. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, look, here's your money back. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Say lazy. If you knew I had harvested crops I didn't plant and gather, uh, harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Say abundance. But from those who do nothing, say nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As the Lord was showing me this, 
And he was showing me that if you're not faithful with the little, right? If you're not faithful with your gifts, with your callings, with your talents, if you're not faithful to do what he said to do or go where he said to go or quit hanging out with who he said quit hanging out with or to quit that job or to move away or maybe even to stop taking advice from your mama. He showed me it's the same, it's that same thing. It's that same spirit. It's that same, well, God, you know, I know you called me to do this, but, you know, I have that one problem with my hand that, uh, you know, it cramps and I can't talk. You know, whatever. It's an excuse. God, I know you said that, but I was afraid. I was afraid if I, I was afraid if I stepped out that, you know, I would fail and that my family would really have something to talk about. It's an excuse. You know what, God? I come from a family. We don't, we don't write books. We don't, we don't talk to people like that. You know, we're really closed off. I got layers. It's an excuse. And God looks at that, and, and he doesn't work with that. He works with doing. He works with doing. So whatever it is that he's given you, he works, if you're, if you're willing to cultivate it, if you're willing to step out, if you're willing to say, I'm going to do that, I'm going to go there, I'm going to reach them, whatever it is, he works with that. And so when you stand before him, you, you're not just left with nothing. Because, you know, it's, and, I'm, and, and the reason I come so hard, has come down so hard on this, is because, like, the Lord just, like, came down really hard on me. And so I feel like, you know, this is a safe place to share because it, was, it caused, it challenged me. It challenged me because I was comfortable. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to win souls. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to serve in church. I just wanted to go. And I was like, oh, you know what? I just like to receive. I just like to receive. And that's great and that's important. But there comes a point where you have to get off the pew and go outside and do. You have to do. You have to set your faith. You have to share with your coworker. You have to tell your family and say enough's enough. Don't talk about my God like that. Right? There comes a point. You might have to cut people off. You might have to leave some people, and that's okay. They're going to be mad. That's okay. That's okay. There's something I've learned from dealing with, with drug addicts is that they will, they will manipulate. They will tell you, you don't care about me. You don't want to give me no money. You just want to leave me out here to die. And it's because, no, I know what you want the money for, and I don't want to be a part of that. And it's the same way spiritually. People will just suck you dry on your spirit and be like, oh, what, you can't love me? Uh, you can't call me? You can't, oh, you can't invite, uh, you can't have me over for Thanksgiving anymore because you're in church? No, that's right. Because you want to come over here and you want to gossip and you want to sow seeds of doubt. And you want to talk about how great it, your life is and, and you're not living for God. So I don't know. I don't want my kids around that. I don't want my marriage around that. You want to come over here and talk about how all men are so dirty, dogs, and you hate them, and I'm happily married. Amen. People tell me, I shut it down real quick. I went to go get my hair done one time, and it was a last-minute thing, and I didn't know the lady doing it. And you could tell she was just, you know, 
one of those, one of those women who hate men. And, and so I didn't tell my husband was coming back home from a, a trip and I wanted to like trim my hair up and surprise him. And I said, uh, I told, and so we're just talking and, and I'm real cordial with her and I'm like so polite, you know, cause I'm like, I want to be a testimony. You know, that's something that the Lord really showed me. You can't like cut people off and get mad and then you know, because then next thing you know, you're both pulling into church together or something, right? You got to be like a living testimony. You can't be mad when someone cuts you off in line at the gas station and then come out screaming. And then, you know, the Lord's like witness to them. And you're just like, you, God loves you, man. God loves you. You know, so anyway, I'm, getting, I'm sitting there getting my hair done. And I'm just talking to her. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't even know if I told her my husband was a preacher or not. I just said, I'm surprising my husband. I'm getting my hair done. And she's like, hmm, he probably won't even notice. Men don't pay attention to, to women like that. And, you know, you just tell her, it's that spirit. And I said, mine does. He knows. My man loves, I just went on, y'all. I was like, my man loves me so much. He cares about every little detail, wants me to be happy. He's going to notice first thing. He'll probably take me out, buy me flowers. Buy me some chocolate, give me some shopping money or something. I don't know. We'll just see. Maybe he'll fly me out to New York. I don't, and I mean, I just let it go. Because why? I can't, I don't tolerate it. I don't tolerate people talking bad about my God. People want to say, people want to say something stupid. Especially people online behind a keyboard where they feel safe. Ain't that funny, huh? We were in a parking lot. You wouldn't feel so safe, but that's another story. It's another story, but that's all right. I'm, listen, I grew up near Alabama, okay, so I know a thing or two. But God redeemed me. Ain't he so good? Amen, amen. No, someone came at us and because uh, I, post, I posted some stuff, and uh, my husband was ministering on on finances and how God if he if you can believe for salvation if you could believe for healing you can believe for financial prosperity you could believe for financial overflow why because he's a good God he's he doesn't and, and list I listed off scriptures y'all of why God wants you blessed why it's his best interest that you're blessed why he wants you healed why he wants you living a successful life why he wants you happy. He wants you full of joy, right? And then some, someone comes on, and, they're, and I don't usually pay much attention to it, but they're like, no, 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 no. God doesn't, God doesn't, we don't need money. It's not about money. It's not about money. And I'm like, well, well then why do you work? If you... It, you know, you ever think about that? If it's God's will for you to be sick, then why are you taking medication to not be sick? Would that be considered you fighting the will of God? No, it's not his will for you to be sick. If God wants you broke, then why do you go to a job? You think it's God's will for you to be broke? No. It's his best interest that you are prosperous. So he comes on and he's like saying some stuff. So then I start saying some stuff back. And, and it's funny because... He's like, you know, they always take every scripture out of context, just make it fit their narrative. And he's, uh, he said, my husband actually said, um, you know, Jesus had a treasurer, right? He's like, not everyone just, you know, 
walks around with a treasurer unless they have some treasure, <laughs> you know, odd concept there that, you know, you would need that because you have that, right? And so he said, yeah, but, you know, even Judas said it's better to give to the poor. And I, I'll, I wanted to fight back. I was like, read the next line. Read the next line. She, you could have sold that money and gave it to the poor. And it says, not that Judas cared of the poor because he often stole from the bag of money. <laughs> it's that spirit. Oh, well, you could just be given to the poor. Why do you need that? You could just be giving money. I'm like, I give my money to the poor. It keeps coming back. Multiplied, pressed down, shaking together, running over. My husband and I, I mean, it's like a living testimony. We feed 50 kids a day. Our ministry feeds 50 kids a day in, in all countries all over the world. And it's like, you think I've missed a meal? No. I've gone after. It says those who go after the, the, the people who can never repay you back. Not just people who could pay you back, because even sinners can do that. But the Bible says, no, you give in to those who can't even pay you back. God says, it's like you're giving it unto me. I take care of that. And that's why I tell the, and, and, and this is when I pray, I remind God, I'm like, Lord, it's your best interest that, that we are prosperous. Why? Because we're givers. Because we understand. God, it's your best interest because I'm going to give it all away. <laughs> Y'all, there's been so many times. So many times, sometimes we don't even tell each other. We just be like, hey, yeah, you know that couple? Yeah, we sold into them, right? It's like, we don't even, it's just like, and it's just fun. It's just so fun. We went, when we first got married, we put on an outreach at a park and went and bought like a 55-inch screen TV to give away as like a grand prize. Y'all, we were believing for one of those for ourselves, we would believe, we didn't even have it, it was like a 20 inch TV. We were like sitting on this little couch, like watching cops or something, I don't know. It was like, and, but no, it was like, that was our heart. And that's why God's always taking care of us. He's always sought to it that we were taken care of because why? That's just our heart. That's just our heart. That's why I can get up here and, and talk about this because it's like money doesn't have a hold of my heart. And I get it, not everyone understands that, especially the world or, or your aunt or your uncle or whatever. And it's like, you know, I'm not here to debate it. So I just told the guy, I'm like, listen, you live your life the way you believe it. And let's see how I'm going to live my life the way I believe it. Let's see which one has a better life, man. I don't know. I'm going to live my life believing God wants me healed. God wants me prosperous. God wants me over, overflowing with joy so I can pour out to others. Amen. God wants me bold. I don't have time to be riddled with fear and anxiety and, and, and curled up in a ball somewhere, crying, emotional wreck. I don't, I, don't, I don't have time for that. No matter what my flesh tells me, I'm like, no, I'm, I, I, I have to live at a higher standard. There comes a time where you have to say, you know what, enough's enough. It's time to go to another level. Enough of this excuse of, of I'm shy or enough of this excuse I'm not smart enough to start a business. Enough of this excuse of, of I'm not meant to go there or do that. Because we're going to give an account for it. But if you would just step out in faith. You know, I, was, I, 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 I tell people this all the time because people call us and, and they just like, you know, say, say what, they're, what they're feeling, what they're going through, and they just need encouragement and help. And this one, this one woman, 
have reached out to me and said, um, I feel, and she has a kids and a husband and a house and beautiful family. And she said, you know, they both work jobs. And she said, I feel like the Lord's telling me to quit my job and telling my husband to quit his job. And I'm to go to Bible school online and that he should start his own business. And she said, and that's crazy because we have three kids and a car payment and a, and a mortgage and mouths to feed, right? And she said, but I feel that's what God's told me to do. What do I do? And so me, you know, it's easy for me to get in my flesh because, you, you know, as, as a minister, you don't want to tell people something that's not from God and they do it. And then they blame God for it. Oh, that person told me to quit my job, and I quit my job, and now I'm homeless or something, right? And so I just told her, I said, you know, I, I don't feel by this. Like, I told her, I'm like, God's not giving me the answer. Because if he did, I would have told her. I would have said, you know, thus saith the Lord, you know. But I didn't have that. And I said, there's two things. One Always follow peace. If you don't have peace at your work anymore, if you don't have peace uh, with your boss, if you don't have peace uh, with where you live or, or what car you drive, then you need to fix that. And you need to get alone with God and you need to seek it out. If you feel peace about going to Bible school, quitting your job and, and living by faith that your husband's going to start a business and that money's just going to come in and you both are going to go into ministry like you both feel called to do, if you have peace with that, peace will never steer you wrong because God is the author of peace and he leads by peace. I said, and two, if you have the faith for it, your expectation will not be cut short. I said, if you have the faith for it, because God will meet you at the level of faith you have. That's why when I pray for people, I don't just, you know, I don't just tell them things because it's at my faith level. I say, where is your faith level at? Because as much faith as I have to go up to somebody and, and for instance, um, like this just happened. We were ministering somewhere over the summer and this woman said uh, that she, she's like, I don't want to take my medicine anymore. And she said, I'm, I'm not going to take my medicine anymore. And I said, do you you, if you have the faith for it, but I could see it. I could see that she was just giving me lip service. I could see she didn't have that faith. So I would never go tell somebody, you know, don't take your medicine anymore unless they have the faith. Because why? God meets them at their faith. When we're done and gone and we go on to the next place, they are there with their faith. And I said, if someone says, I feel to quit my job, if you have the faith for it, if you have that faith, like Esther, if I die, I die. If you're willing to sleep in your car to do what God's called you to do because you, you heard it. If you're willing to do whatever it takes, your expectation won't be cut short. You will succeed. God will meet you. He will take care of you. And so that's what I told her. I said, that's the only advice I could give you. You know, I'm praying for you guys, and I love you guys, and I will, I will help, you know, if, if that's what you decide to do. But I said, but you guys have to be led. And then so they prayed, and they talked to their pastors, 
And she called me back or texted me back. And she said, I'm so excited. Tomorrow I put in my resignation at work. And she said that she had felt that's what God had told her to do. And I said, praise God. Praise God. And she, had, and she had shared something that was interesting to me. Is she said, you know, the Lord had told me to do this a while ago. And looking back on it, if I would have done it a while ago, I was actually working from home. And it would have worked out with my schedule to go to school online while working from home. And she said, I was delayed in it. And because I, because I didn't, she, you know, she just told, she's just sharing this with me. And, and, and she's probably watching tonight, and she doesn't mind if I share this, because I want her testimony to inspire you. Because what she did is going to help impart that faith. So she texts me. She's like, I quit my job, and we're doing it. We're going to live by faith. And I just, she just texts me back, and they're, gonna be, they're becoming pastors now. She's going to Bible school. She, starts, she started two weeks ago. And she said, my husband's business that he started is booming. She said, it, and she said, he's never done, like, this kind of business. It was just in his heart to do it. He's like a, a, a woodworker. He builds furniture and pieces. She said, the clients love it. They're referring him to all their friends. Something that just, they had no idea. And she said, it's booming. It's taking off. She said, God is providing for us. God is doing something. I feel so fulfilled now because I'm, I'm answering the call of God on my life. And I said, you understand something? That you are one of the very few percentage of people who are just willing to just leave it all and, and do what God told you to do. God's going to meet your faith there. And I was reading and I was ministering this to our Uber driver the other day that we had came back from New York. And this lady had picked us up and I was just reading and and we were talking about this, same thing, finance. I don't, I mean, the Lord's having me go there for a reason. So it was, it, I was just sharing uh, the passage in scripture where Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler and saying, uh, leave everything you have, sell everything you have and follow me. And he said, you know, basically was shamed, mad, and he's like, I'm not doing that. And then Jesus was saying, you know, it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle, of, of the needle, than to give away all of their possessions for the kingdom of God, to follow that. And, and someone had pointed this out to me, is that people refer that scripture a lot to uh, the kingdom of heaven, because you're not required to give away everything you own to go to the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? That's the work on the earth here. Not many people are willing to give up whatever it takes to go into the kingdom of God, to do the work here on the earth, to work for the kingdom of God. Many people are just willing to give up what it takes to go to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, Lord, I need to give up this sin in my life to go to heaven. All right, I can do that. Because why? I want to go to heaven. And that should be everyone's goal is to go to heaven, right? should be your goal, but it should also be a goal to bring people with you. Because what good is it if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? That's why it's important. You keep yourself in line. You keep yourself in check. But anyway, it was something to be said about that. Because it's like the Lord will speak to you things to give up. People to cut off. 
things to quit watching, things to quit listening to, things to quit drinking, things to quit smoking, things. And he'll just give you these things. And it's like people, some, sometimes you find like they just don't do it because they just don't think it's uh, important. Oh, well, you know, I could still go to heaven but have this friend circle. And that's, that's true. But it, what is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to give up? What is God asking you to uh, put in yourself? Is he, you know, uh, that holy boldness to rise up and say, no, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. No, I'm not going to be anxious anymore. No, I'm not going to be depressed anymore. No, I'm not going to be full of fear and worry. And that was something that he showed me. And that was something that he even showed me for tonight. Is because I know many people answered that call last night to work the ministry, whether it's full-time or part-time or just maybe your own ministry. But understand this, God has given everyone a ministry here. God has given every one of you a ministry here. And maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you know what it is and you, and you wish you didn't know what it was. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you know what it is and you're like just kind of getting by pretending like you don't. But God sees that. And God knows. And many of you are at that level. Listen, you have been in church uh, Tuesday night to tonight. You're in church on a Friday night. Like you're already above that status quo, like way above that status quo of like the Easter and Christmas people, right? Right, y'all, okay. Y'all, y'all even more above those Sunday morning churchgoers. Like you're already radical in your faith because you're here tonight. You're getting filled up. Why? Because God's depositing something in you. Because your spirit man has felt this week it's time for another level. It's time to do something. It's time to not just sit and soak and receive. It's time to go. It's time to work. Some of y'all have been getting so filled up in this place every single week, and you're not pouring it out to come get filled back up. And that's how people become stale and stagnant, because you come to church and you're just filled up already, so it's like, what do I need God to fill me up for, right? Whereas, like, my husband and I, like, we, we pour out everywhere we go. We give it all we got. I told him last night, I'm like, give it all you got. And he woke up this morning, his voice was raspy, like he just got back from a concert. I was like, look at this. Who said you can't have fun in, in ministry? But it's like, that's what we do. Because then when we go and fill ourselves back up, it's like overflow to the top. And we just get so excited and, and, and just on fire for God and just like branded. And we're just like, man, we, and that's, and that's the cycle it's supposed to be. You're supposed to get so filled up in this place that you go reach somebody and you fill them up. And then you bring them here. And then you're both getting filled up. And then you're both going out and reaching somebody. And then you're bringing them here. Why? Because God is in the multiplication. First command he gave, be fruitful and multiply. That's not just having babies. If you're married, that's also multiplying in your money, multiplying in the church, multiplying in your home, multiply every, every area, every realm. There's supposed to be work. There's supposed to be doing, not just sitting, not just getting filled up with faith and having a great message 
and then going home and going to bed and then waking up and, and then it's like nothing ever happened. Because some of you, hear me that on this, you can choose whether you look back on this week a year from now and, and remember just like the cute, cuddly feeling of the anointing you got and you came to the altar and you had hands laid on you and you went out under the power and that was exciting. And you could talk about it like that. And 10 years from, that, from now, you can, some of you might remember Oh, yeah, I was, I was at this church, and, you, and, and, and we had a, a week like that. But then it's kind of fuzzy at that point, and you don't remember if you came up to the altar or not. But then there's some of you here, if not every one of you, who will take this week and, and let it mark your life. You know what? I did deal with that, and then that, this is the week I got set free from it, and I've never been the same, and I've been reaching other people, and I've been doing what God called me to do. And just like me, having that experience of when hands were laid on me, and the Lord said, preach, teach, evangelize. That was a Thursday afternoon, and I was in a church lobby. I wasn't even at the altar, but it marked me. It branded me. It stirred something in my spirit. It's laid upon my heart. And every time I think about it, I go back to that moment where I was so desperate for God, crying out for God, God, do something in me. I don't know how you're going to use me to reach people, but use me. And many of you in this place, you just got to be hungry. It's not to use my faith for you. It's for you to get your faith built up to say enough's enough. I'm going forward. I'm going up. I'm going from victory to victory. Today is the, the poorest I'll ever be, the brokest I'll ever be, the lowest I'll ever be. It's just up from here. And then you'll tell this story 10 years from now. This was the night on a Friday night at ALM where something was branded in my heart. My heart broke for people. Fear broke off me. Depression broke off me. I didn't have to be on mind medication anymore so I could go to sleep. I didn't have to worry and stay up and wonder if my son was coming home anymore. Fear came off me. You can have that in your spirit. But it's up to you to decide. It's up to you to get hungry. Your pastors can't get hungry for you. They can fill you up, but they can't make you hungry. They can't make you want it. You have to want it. You have to ask, your, ask the Lord, Father, brand it in my heart. Break my heart for people. Lord, tell me, give me clarity. Give me direction. Give me peace. I'll do whatever it takes. And when you're at that moment, God will meet you. God, that's the moment where he says, let's go. Let's go. All right, you're ready. You're open. You're willing. The willing and obedient will eat the fruit of the land. But you must be willing and obedient. And I promise you, I promise you, it's, God is so good. Everything that the enemy ever sent in my life that was meant to kill, steal, and destroy me, my father turned it around for my good. He turned it around for the good that I could come up here and testify. Because let me tell you something, it's a mindset. It's a mindset not to go uh, and, and use that excuse of this is how I grew up or this is where I come from or this was my family and my upbringing or this happened to me when I was a kid this happened to me when I was a teenager 
It's that mindset to become a victim of the enemy. Because everyone has that. Everyone has an excuse. Every single person here. You know what my excuse was? My dad died when I was nine years old. He was 47 and he died. And I told, I told people, I was like, I'm not, I was, I, like, I was just mad. I was, I was already depressed because family members would come over to my house. I was nine years old and I heard this. This is why it's important to watch who's around your kids. Because I would hear people tell my mother, you should really have her go to a therapist. At eight years old, you should really have her checked out for her depression. You should really, and my mom said, she's eight. But I heard that lie spoken over me. And just like the enemy came into Eve and said, did God tell you to do that? I sat there and I thought, maybe I am depressed. At eight years old, I'm supposed to be playing in a sandbox somewhere. And I'm sitting there thinking, am I supposed to be on mind medication? And then my dad died. And then my mom remarried and she married a pastor. And I went from having one little brother to having a whole big old family. And I could have used that. I could have said, the devil took my dad when I was a kid, and I've just never been the same. I've just never been the same. You know, I would come from a blended family. And, you know, then I became a pastor's kid, and, you know, the enemy works overtime on pastor's kids. You know, I saw my parents hurt in the church, and, and I've been hurt by a church, so I just, you know, I have, I had a re I have reasons. I have plenty of reasons. Got into bad relationships. At young age, had every reason. I have every reason. But that's an excuse. And then it was when the Holy Spirit came and showed me you don't have to live in that. You are not, you are not what you grew up to be. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be shy. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to be quiet. You could stand up to people. You, could, you can do it. And it was when I yielded to that, and I let God transform me. I let God do the work in me. And then I said, you know what, devil? I'm going to make you pay. Because I have family. I have close, I have siblings that have walked away from the Lord. While I'm in ministry. So I don't sit around and, and cry because, and, and, and tell God, how, how are you going to let me go after other people's families and mine's going to hell? I don't do that. Why? Because I have already overcome. I say, God, I know you're not going to let me go after someone else's family and let mine go to hell. So, Father, as I go out and share your word and reach people, you're going to send somebody to my family, and they're going to be in church. They're going to get radically saved, lives transformed. Amen. You are a, a victor, not a victim. You have victory. You just have to change your mindset in any area that you feel you don't have victory. And you have to believe it for yourself. Because God has given you victory in every area of your life. You just have to receive it. So tonight, if that's you, if that's you, if you're saying, you know what, I'm done with any lie that the enemy's put on me. 
I'm done with uh, fear. I'm a uh, fear of man, not being able to share my testimony, not being able to reach other people, not being able to preach. Some of you are just so tired. You know, I'm tired of not being healed. I'm ready for my healing. I'm tired of, of not being able to, to speak to people about my God. And you're so close, just like me. I knew the ins and outs. I knew the Bible. I knew scripture, but I never put it into work. And if that's you tonight and you're ready to say, tonight I'm going to be marked. Tonight I'm going to be changed. Tonight my life is going to be transformed. And it's going to be this night at ALM that I'm going to refer back to as my point of contact of when the fire of God came and transformed me. Then I want you to get out of your seat and meet me here at this altar. And the same impartation that I've received, God is going to put in your spirit he's going to deposit it in you he's going to transform your life you're not going to leave here the same way you came in you're not going to leave here broke busted disgusted no you are going to leave here changed you're going to leave here on fire you're going to leave here with boldness you're going to leave here with a testimony you're not going to be the same your family's going to look at you and you're going to be different you could tell them this thanksgiving things are different now I gave it to God. Things are different. Thanks for listening to the MJV Ministries podcast. If you would like to stand with us as we preach the gospel and make a kingdom impact, consider becoming one of the thousand monthly partners we are believing for. To learn more, go to mjvministries.com slash partner.